It's time to talk. We've been running a campaign on social media for the last few weeks, encouraging you to do exactly that. Talk, open up about your stories and generally spreading positive messages about well-being. My name's Chris Felton. I'm joined by some guests. And for the next few podcasts, we're going to talk about talking about mental health and mental well-being. Let's start with our first guest. Uh, hi, I'm Terry, director of Ellington Timepiece. I started designing watches from my bedroom. I named my first collection after my dog, who helped me whilst I was struggling with mental health. Two years on, I'm selling my watches around the world while helping to raise awareness for mental health. My name's Oliver Bell from Newcastle United Foundation, and I work on the Be A Game Changer campaign to try and raise the awareness of mental health, to try and change the culture of mental health conversations. I am Believing Bruce. I have got a sensational YouTube body language project going on and I also deliver mental health programmes in the corporate arena. My name is Emily Pearson and I'm founder and managing director of Our Minds Work. I have 22 years working in the mental health field with young people and adults, but the past four years have been working specifically in workplace mental health. My name is David Simpson. I'm locality manager for Mental Health Matters. We specialise in providing employment support, advocacy services, floating support and housing support. Kicking off with opening up then, how do we open up? Who has opened up? We can start with Terry. My story really begins when I was 16. Um, That was the first time that I started struggling with my mental health. Um, I was struggling with agoraphobia, panic attacks, separation anxiety. It took me a while, especially at that age, to kind of understand the way that I was feeling. There wasn't a lot of information out there at the time. For a couple of years, I was kind of struggling, but it took me a while to kind of accept the way that I was feeling as well. Today, there's so much awareness, especially, I think, through social media, through the internet, and I think a lot of people are talking, that's allowing people to open up and talk. It's interesting you say, obviously, the social media side of it helped you. Mm. Because a lot of people say social media is is bad for our mental health. Social media hinders it. Social media makes it harder to open up because what we see with Insta and Facebook and Twitter and everything is this perfect ideal version of you, of everybody. You know, you get the version on there that people want you to see. You get the the holiday photos. You get the going out photos. You get the pose in front of the mirror photos of, of you living your best life. Mm. And you're kind of proof that actually you, you flipped it on its side and you, the mm. first thing you did with it really in a big way was say, no, this is me, Mm. this is the honest me. Mm. And you completely were blown away by the response. Yeah, I think there's been definitely a massive shift on um, social media. Um, I was very, very nervous about opening up. But once I did, the kind of feedback and the amount of people that were saying, actually, I feel the same way, it kind of made me then want to continue to do that. I now see a lot of people opening up and there's now actually pages for mental health. There's people actually talking about it. But the, I remember the very, very first time that I was very nervous talking openly about it and that was in a news article that came out in 2018 um, in the February time and that was my very first time, I feel for me, publicly speaking about it. And I remember being a bag of nerves the, the night that it came out. And I was, I was sat on my phone on Facebook watching the comments coming in. And I was so nervous, but I was so surprised as well, the amount of messages and comments that I got saying, I feel the same. Um, I mean, I had comments, you know, because I, I spoke also about my kind of eating disorder and that was kind of around the fear of choking. And that was something that I developed when I was um, 16 going through all the other struggles that I had as well and at the time when I was 16 I felt so alone I felt like 
nobody would understand and it was so hard for me to understand so when that news article went out it was such it was almost like a shock but it, it was like people were saying I felt the same and I didn't know how to put it into words and kind of you have to bring Ollie in here yeah obviously Ollie with what you do you deal with people opening up yeah I suppose we we deal with individuals who possibly wouldn't open up if it wasn't disguised in the black and white stripes of Newcastle United Something that we use is the pride and passion of football in the North East, of which I think everybody would agree that that's rife. And and we use the brand, the Newcastle United brand, to try and encourage people to access help if they feel like they need it. Once you start to realise that you're potentially not as happy as what you could be and you're depriving yourself of happiness and maybe depriving yourself of other things, whether that's socially isolating yourself and, and distancing yourself from friends, there are probably quite a lot of warning signs that you should go and seek a little bit of help, whether that's a conversation with a GP or whether that's just a conversation with a friend. But it's not easy, Bruce, is it, to just open up for a lot of people? You know, one of the most powerful things of conversation is that you don't actually need any qualifications to be a listener. And sometimes you having the crack with somebody is all you need to raise your awareness to how you're feeling. You can just sit down and have a chat with somebody and by hearing your own thoughts and the words that you use, that can be the first step to maybe is like, actually, is there something going on here? Can I start evaluating how I'm feeling? And like, But now I've become more aware of it. Is that it's already saying, speak up. But you've got to feel it like you can. You've got to have that psychological safety where you can approach someone or, or tell people how you feel. It's actually that inner voice, that narrative that tells you that I can't speak up because I'm going to feel stupid or I can't put a, a post or a video out there because I'll get ridiculed. So that one of the first things about actually speaking up is giving yourself permission in your head to say it's okay to tell somebody else how I'm feeling. And that can be one of the most strongest steps or blockers, if you will. But once you've got over that and you start to talk, all the evidence is there for a large percentage of the population. Just telling yourself that it's okay to say, hey, this is how I feel. And just to start that narrative is really helpful to get in that journey moving. It's the bungee jump effect, isn't it? The most daunting bit is the bit where you stood before you take the leap. If I want to bring David in on this one, David, has it become easier over the years to actually open up? Are you finding that? I, th I think it, it has become easier and I, I totally agree with Bruce around it's about that feeling and people feeling confident so you know the services that we provide we provide you know highly skilled and qualified staff in those services and, and, and the listening for me is a huge thing so that you know the people we work with feel they can come to the staff and open up or have the confidence to go and access you know medical support or just talk to friends and family as well it's you know really really important to do that for, for me as well it's also about being able to acknowledge the feeling so you know I've had a number of conversations around the element of denial sometimes that we have around our feelings but you know when we get to that point of being able to acknowledge that that feeling's there that's the time to go and get some support for it. I think when you you know when you're talking about how you feel as well one of the biggest things that I've come across is like try to stop or reduce the amount of times you judge yourself against other people you know look at how I'm feeling compared to them you know would they feel like this would they be anxious in this situation would they be fearful in the, like embrace how you are if you're the most authentic version of you and you get used to how you are and you get you know accepting of how you're feeling and all this type of stuff man that takes you on to different levels because what you do is you start embracing you for you rather than judging you against somebody else because they're them and you're you 
embrace what you are and that just helps you so much to be more authentic more in control just more calm and logical which is great from a mental health perspective just like to go back to the point of comparing ourselves to others and i think it's quite interesting and probably quite british thing to do is, is to make comparisons between us and other people and i hear quite a lot in my everyday work where people say things like well i shouldn't feel like this because i've not got a life like what you've got you've had it far worse than me so how could i possibly feel the way that i do and there's a, a good autobiography which i read uh, stan collymore's autobiography who's a famous player who suffered with mental health issues and within his autobiography he talks about how when he first told his manager that he was struggling with mental health issues the manager said well how could you possibly be struggling with depression I can understand the single parent at the top of the council flat estate I can understand why she struggles with it but you've got three cars and a massive house and it's that competition aspect it's that bit of being British where we compete constantly and I shouldn't feel this way because I don't live a certain way and unfortunately with mental health there's no rules and I, I think also just to kind of back up a little bit what, what you're saying there, Ollie's back to the lack of education as well. People think that having a mental illness is always about something bad's happened to you. However, we can develop mental illnesses through uh, poor diet, deficiencies in vitamins, our thyroid not working, medication that we're taking. It doesn't always have to be the fact that I have something that you don't and you've gone through a bad time and you've got this mental illness. So I think, again, there's that lack of education, just basic education around what does mental health actually mean? I think as society, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves that if someone does come forward and talks about their mental health, that we have to almost fix their mental health for them or, you know, provide some, you know, something when actually just talking about it and making it a normal thing to talk about is, is hugely, hugely vital. I'm, I'm a strong believer in thinking that we all have mental health. Sometimes it might be really, really poor and we might need support for that. And sometimes it might be really, really good. Doing certain things in life might make us really good with our mental health. Some things might make us feel that our mental health is quite poor in lots of different ways. But, you know, I, th I think normalising that emotion and being able to talk about it is vitally important. Oh, you've probably all done it yourself. You've got a bump on your leg and you get on Dr. Google and you're like, oh, within 10 minutes you need your leg, leg amputating and you're seconds. about to die. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing a lot of this around mental health as well, so mm. that people don't actually understand what clinical depression actually is or what anxiety is, and they may misuse terms. Mm. So again, I think that lack of education has then created this other issue that what are we actually talking about? Mm. We hear a lot from managers who are potentially struggling with employees who may ring up and say, I'm not coming in today because I'm, I'm depressed. What does that actually mean? Mm -hmm. Does that mean that person has clinical depression, that there are now, you know, the legally obligations that we need to put in place? Has it been diagnosed you? or is this how somebody's... Is it self-diagnosis? Are you just saying that you're having a bad day and you're particularly experiencing low mood today? So we're, we misuse the language all the time, definitely, mm -hmm. and that kind of links in exactly mm -hmm. to what you're saying there. We then start to mislabel things. And if we look at mental health on a spectrum, we don't have to put any of it into a box. We're either mentally well reacting to things in our lives we're becoming unwell or we're actually ill so we can see it on a spectrum mm -hmm. without actually using some of these stigmatized terms that we already know once you put somebody in a box it becomes stigmatized once there's a label and once there's Attached. a label on there
Well, we're going to take it further in the next episode of the podcast. We're going to talk about some coping techniques, about general ways to improve your mental well-being, and we're going to hear from a couple of our guests about their individual journeys a little bit more as well, hopefully encouraging you to talk about yours to somebody. And you can find a lot of information and advice about the entire subject and about everything that we've been talking about on our website right now. Thanks for listening.